Jacket and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jacket. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. Isabel Legrigal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope the, I don't know uh, what we're going to talk about. Me either. As I said, I don't go into this with too much structure. So let's just uh, let's have a chat and see where we go. Um, All right. Awesome. No, but for context, I did ha- I did do one the other day with a mate of mine, and he said, "Hey, uh, it might have been better if you had given me a few like pointers as to what we're actually going to talk about because you kind of caught me off guard a little bit." <laughs> and I was yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah." We literally just talked about like what you do like that's the easiest thing to do isn't it just talk about what you do day to day (laughs) not everybody feels comfortable talking about themselves though and what they do true true i do Mm. (laughs) probably a little too comfortable well yeah i'll find a way to work it into anything (laughs) what you're doing and what what you're interested in um yeah but i think that's a nursing thing sorry go no, no, I think there's a bit of a delay in this. So if, if you hear me jump in and then stop, you just keep going. Um, what, uh, first off the bat, I've got it. This has been the hot topic in our house at the moment. What do you think of the latest Cardi B WAP film clip? Oh, I haven't seen it. Is that oh. the, Steve talked to me about it last night. Maybe I should quickly look at it. <laughs> um, I actually haven't seen it. It's no. on for this weekend. It'll be our Saturday night after a few drinks. Yeah, no, don't uh, don't look at it right now. It's very off topic. I just thought I'd. It's it's been such a topic of conversation for me and Claire at the moment. We've literally spent more time in that conversation in the last week than we have about any other topic. <laughs> I'm like. We, um... It's funny you say it though, because Sarah tried to talk to me about it last night and I was cooking dinner and not engaging. Yeah. And yeah, but it's weird that you mentioned it because he mentioned it last night. But we've what? done a lot, well, in the first lockdown, a lot of drinking and watching a lot of filthy, filthy Cardi B um, music videos. <laughs> and I keep like darting to make sure Nash hasn't like woken up and he's accidentally walked into the room because they're so bad. They're so <laughs> full on. And I think, and that's where yes. like Claire is such, like she loves it because, yeah. you know, like, like because of the, like the female empowerment message that runs through it and, and, and the basis yes. of that, which I, I completely agree with. But, you know, the Russell Brand review really like winded her up the other day and we sort of, that was the catalyst for a lot of our discussions. But um, I then, the, the funniest part is, is that we got into these discussions about it and I like, after a few hours, I was like, I haven't even seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to stop us and go, hang on, I need to actually watch it because I've seen bits and pieces of it. I know what everyone's kind of issue is with it. But, um, and when I watched it, I, the, all I could think about was the kids. And I was like, look, you know, I, I'm certainly not a prude, but um, if I'm going to be honest, I think that the challenge with it is, is that it's not suitable for everyone. And it's not certainly not children. And it also is you know, it doesn't represent every, every female's kind of attitudes towards that sort of stuff. So anyway, that's, I mean, for a business podcast, we're going deep on Cardi B here, but um, <laughs> so, it's all related. yeah, it's all related. I mean, well, you know, kids, maybe that's a segue. <laughs> what, um, can you just tell me, just give me an overview, like a top line of what your current role is at Monash? 
Yeah, so my current role is I'm a nurse manager in the paediatric intensive care within Monash Children's Hospital. So I currently job share that role with another amazing nurse called Diana. Um, yeah, after doing the role full time last year, I just needed to pull back a bit and was fortunate enough to be able to do that. So yeah. is that is that something that happens a lot, like the job share thing within nursing or within the hospital healthcare? No. So the nurse manager role is has it's almost un, like unheard of yeah, to right. be able to job share. Yeah. So, so why we were, why yeah why did they open that option up? I don't know if I can say on this. I think. Oh. Um, you well, didn't give I them would, a reason. <laughs> you I didn't give them an option. Didn't give them a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll do. It was um, yeah. It was either that or I leave. So. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, and so, who and who's the other? Who's the other nurse that that does the other? And what is it like? A literally a fifty-fifty split in the in the job in the yeah. management. Yeah, it's fifty-fifty. Yeah. Yeah, great. So, what is what? What are you as a nurse? Care, is that what it's called? Nurse carer. Nurse. Nurse unit manager. Yeah, nurse unit manager. Um, yeah, nurse manager. What? Um, what? What are you responsible for? So, oh my God, it's ridiculous. It's the complete running of the entire unit. So you've, we've got about 70 nurses. So our head wow. counts about 70 um, and about four admin staff. So the ward clerks and so on and so forth as well. So they do the admin kind of component. But then I often like last year when I first started the role the year before, sorry, I was like, I'm responsible for making sure there's toilet paper, um, making sure that the bins are emptied, but then also, you know, on the flip side, you know, like for, you know, for patient passes away, you know, like, wow. like direct patient stuff as well. So it's a really broad role, um, which can be really frustrating sometimes because yeah, I'm like, come on, I'm higher level than the toilet paper ordering, but yet yeah. that falls under, so, so do yeah, you think that they... do you think that's because they have is 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 the healthcare and so what I'm like this is probably a good like framing for this chat is around just understanding what that environment looks like and I think you know like healthcare at the moment is obviously under the microscope because of the pandemic that we're dealing with but as I said to yeah. you in that in that in that message I'm like it's not it doesn't actually. I, I'm more interested in just the environment in general, like before, currently and after, you know, like, and just how that is. So, so for me, that says, you know, it's a bit like education, you know, like underfunded, you know, not enough resources. Is that why yeah. you're doing that? That's kind of work yeah. on top of everything else that you do that, you know, is that more important stuff? <laughs> yeah, definitely. A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great role in that you get to mentor and coach and work with individuals, you know, and that's awesome. That's, you know, the people that are why you keep coming back every day. Um, and I love the nurses that we work with. They're awesome mm. and a really quirky, great bunch. Um, but yeah, those frustrations and it is, it's, it's a public system. I mean, the private nursing, you know, private healthcare is the same. Yeah. Um, but it's just healthcare. Like I think it is, it's just that service 
industry where we're not making any money. You know, mm. we, like, as Andrew always tells me, you're actually, you cost the government money, you know, you cost people money. This you reminds just you every ways. morning. <laughs> yeah. Every you're day you go, on society. just remember yeah. your, you cost us money. <laughs> and he goes, the way that your business runs is that you have to find ways to spend less money, right? Because you're never going to make, you know, uh, you know, you don't generate anything for the, for the community for yeah, the yeah. government for Except you, you take know. care so, of yeah but the interesting thing and you, you say what you said before was right in that the thing with healthcare and especially in pediatric healthcare most of us will get away and we're both parents mm. most of people most people will get away with their entire life until their kids are 18 19 and never have to use the system yeah. So you don't really value it because you don't, it's one of those things that you're grateful that it's there, but you don't really ever use. Yeah. So people don't really understand the importance of it because you don't really come into contact with it. And it's until not it's, until you do. Yeah, and we've yeah. got, then you go, shit, like this is actually really important. Why don't we pour more? Yeah. It's you like know, my, um, Why don't we do more? It's like my ambulance membership. They constantly remind you like, don't, you know, like I know you never need this, but when you do need it, you'll want to have this membership. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So what do you like, you know, like I would say for those of who, who are listening that don't know, you're very, you've got a very sunny disposition. Uh, what do you like within work? Like what do, you, what do you bring to, what do you bring to your job? You know, are you, are you that person at work and is that why you, you know, are successful or is that why you, you know, are able to resonate with other nurses and whatever? Yeah, I think um, definitely. I'm not, um, I don't, I'm the same as the way I am with you, the way I am at home as the way I am at work. Like I'm exactly the same across all. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's great, but then the, like I will drop the F-bomb in, which doesn't always sit well with everybody. <laughs> Um, and it definitely took the team that I work, that I lead, that I manage, manager before me, she went on mat leave, was really, I, we get along really well, AJ and I, but she's really different to me. The ultimate professional, you know, like would never, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, would never, I'm very casual, very, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But it's approachable. I hate to use the word unprofessional because no, I'm... no, no, no. I would say, well, I think approachable. I think approachable is a better word because you know, like people that you're, you're probably more um, relatable because you know, like the moment. I think that that can be an issue with management is that you know, like it, it, if you don't, if your if your managers and the people that take care of the department or take care of the business unit or whatever. You know, if they feel like they're on a pedestal or if they feel like they're not approachable, then, then that becomes a problem, like, throughout, you know, that whole business unit or division because, you know, they're not ultimately hearing what everyone else is hearing because people don't yeah. want to talk to them or they don't want to approach them about things or whatever. So I think it's really important. And, in fact, you know, if I reflect on my own career, it's, it's the managers that are more relatable, that, are, that don't take themselves don't put themselves in another category that are the best ones because, you know, you can get more traction. There's less bullshit. Um, yeah. And there is. And I think it makes other people feel that they can be really comfortable as well. So then you end up getting more out of people yeah. because they know I'm not pretending to be any, like I'll tell them when I'm 
uh, you know, when I'm in out of my death, I often look around, I'm like, how I shouldn't be responsible for this place. Like this is not, <laughs> how are we even doing this? It's a miracle. Yeah. We can do anything we do. We <laughs> just so, flying by the seat of our pants. Right. You got to fake it till you make it. So totally. Can you, can you give me a little bit of a, like, what was your pathway into this up to this current role? Like what, what did you, did you, study nursing at uni like what what was your what was your pathway yeah so I my started off actually you know I did a science degree I didn't know what I all I wanted to do was dissect dead people that was really? kind of like yeah I wanted to do you remember watching that German it. guy I think it was on SBS or yes. ABC what was With his name black top hat yes I love that show. And then he put all like the polymer through all of the nerve, like the, the nerves and the, and the veins and stuff. And he create these yeah. crazy sculpture things or they were human yeah. people. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, what was he called? Can you remember what he's, anyway, it was, I can't that, remember his name. anyway, you know him. So, I mean, there's, cause I had that fascination too about, you know, like loving to be able to go and dissect you know, like being yeah. in that medical world and going dissect human bodies and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so what was the degree you did? A, a yeah, so I did science, majored yeah. in anatomy, did all of that, did the dissection and then finished my science degree and was like, well, what do I do now? Like, yeah, I don't want to go into research because I don't want to sit in a lab all day. And I'm like, as you said before, pretty personable. So yeah. thought, how can I mix all that knowledge that I have with a your profession where I can just spend time with people all day. And then, so got into nursing. What was, sorry, just then, quickly, what were the options on the table coming out of that degree um, um, from the really university? Like research, like, yeah. Medicine, yeah, yeah. physiotherapy, nursing, um, teaching. You're right. That kind of, or yeah, like I said, um, yeah, well, like I said, research. I yep. mentioned that. That's kind of it, really. Yeah, There's nothing. Okay. Yeah, right. Science degree was like back then. Now it's really different, I think. Yeah. Um, because I think there are a lot of graduates from arts and science that were like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, so they've really channeled that at Melbourne Uni. But mm. back then it was like, well, you're out on your own, like yeah, $20,000 in debt and <laughs> with no career path. I, I mean, I think universities have had to get better at that because the, those pathways and those, you know, practical outcomes from degrees, because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's only been in the last, you know, half a dozen years or so that I've realised, like, like to, to, a, to a certain scale, like how much universities are just businesses, like, and, <laughs> and that their business and their, and their revenue is generated through just putting as many people through courses as they can. <laughs> like, it's actually really alarming and... I've done a bit of work in tertiary like tertiary level education, undergrad and postgrad, yeah. and it's alarming, especially in nursing, because you're like, these people are going to look after people, you understand? Like, these are the people that will care for you yeah. <laughs> when you are sick, dying, or your relatives or your children. So you want to make sure they're amazing. But yeah. again, I don't know if I can say that. It is just get them in, get them out. Money, yeah. money, 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 money. Totally. I know. And it's just, yeah. it was that realisation. And I don't know at what point it happened, but I had another, another um, a friend of mine who I went to uni with, Nathan. He was on um, episode two, three or something. And he worked within the university system after I had left uni and he'd finished. But 
you know, and I sort of said to him, what was his takeaway from that experience? Because, you know, from an outsider, you sort of look at it and go, well, universities are good at teaching you knowledge, but they don't give you that practical experience to actually turn that into something that you can take into the world, you know, because it is so theory-based and it can be so, it can, it can lean so heavily in that direction. And he sort of yeah. said, you know, Swinburne, which is the, which is the um, university that he worked at, um, you know, they've made over the last decade, they've made a really significant shift from, you know, research-based learning to practical-based yeah. learning. Industry-based, Indus- yeah, Indus- I've noticed Industry-based that. learning. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating because, you know, you come out of school and you're like, oh, you've got to have certain grades and there's this, you know, like there's this, there's this fence that you've got to get through in order to get in and it's, and it's elite and you've got to, you know, not everyone gets in. I was in. 17. Like, yeah. I was, what do you know, it's 17. Like, totally. that's nine years older than Nash is now. He's not, like, I just think there is not that much growth between uh, eight and seven, not enough to make you decide your career trajectory. Like seriously, it's all back to front. It's completely yeah. absurd. We should be yeah, extending, I think high school and adolescence out. till you're 25 and well, then you, should, you choose your career. <laughs> you should be forced to do um, like exchange programs or, I mean, it's, it's all very, it's hard to have this conversation now because no one can travel anywhere, but, <laughs> you know like to get that experience like traveling like i fortunately Life, yeah. yeah like i got into a job i think uh, like out of uni like i didn't even finish uni because i got offered this role at the bike company and um like i was literally on a plane every every three weeks from the pretty much the time i got that job going all over the world like going to china and doing manufacturing and stuff up there and going to europe because that's where the head office was. so i kind of like claire was absolutely hating it at the time she's like you fucker how did you land a job where they fly you all over the world you're having fun you're with your mates um but i almost feel like i got lucky there because i did get a job where i could go and experience different cultures and do different things but yeah you know like the, the standard pathway at a school university workforce is yeah it feels a bit even it feels a bit backwards even when i so then i you know went on and i did nursing which yeah. was I, I did a two-year course an accelerated course so i spent three days a week at royal children's and two days a week at university so yeah. that was great you know it was really you know learnt on the job it was experiential yeah, really but then i graduated from that and started nursing and i was 23 like <laughs> looking after sick on co- like children who had cancer, they were uh, so sick. And I'm like, I'm fucking 23. Yeah. I have no right to, to do this. Like this is not. And, and so when you're it- doing, when you're doing that practical, you know, three days on three days in the hospital, two days, you know, theory, um, are they talking to you about that? sort of? Are they sort of saying like preparing you that you're going to be thrown in the deep end here? Like, or, or are you actually getting the experience then? Or does it turn, or does it make yeah, so a Yeah, so I was a student. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's what I guess it is. That's the experience. But you're yeah. not really ever given the, you know, the, and how, I don't know it, it, whether you can, but the theory on how to manage stressful, like stressed, anxious parents. When you don't have kids, you don't yeah. know what it's like to have kids. You're still you know, a kid. <laughs> You're still a kid. I remember um, I had like a set line that I had when I walked in, you know, you get four patients yeah. and I'd 
go around at the start of my shift. Hi, my name's Isabel. I'm going to be the nurse looking after you today. Just yell out if you, just let me know if you need anything. That yeah. was my line. That was my standard line, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Just, I was so nervous, but that's what I just did. Yeah. And I remember this one mum saying to me, and she was like, everyone takes a, you know, the diagnosis of their child, whatever the diagnosis is, very differently. And it all still amazes me how different families do it differently. Um, and this one mum was just so, and rightly so, so angry about her child, her daughter having cancer, as you oh, would be. Yeah, of course. So angry, angry at the system, angry at the world. And she said to me, and I was unprepared, like, yeah. because I was just going in saying my line, you know. Hi, my name's Isabel. I'm going to be your nurse for today. Like, yell out if you need anything. Please don't fucking say anything to me. And she goes, oh, I don't know. Can you just rewind the clock? Like, how oh, many shit. months? And I was like, and oh. I just, like, crept away slowly. Yeah, just, you look at your manager and you go, can I do that? Can I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, that's what you're dealing with. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Shit. I mean, that's a serious throwing in the deep end. Like... And I mean, I, I know nurses don't get enough credit. Let's face it. Like they, it's, I mean, they're getting a lot at the moment because, you know, yeah, of, of what's going, <laughs> yeah, of what's going yeah. on. But like, it's a, you know, when you talk about doctors having good or bad bedside manner and, you know, like that's probably something that most people would have experience with is doctors rather than nurses. Cause you know, not everyone has to go to hospital, but um yeah, like it's, it is fascinating that there isn't more around, like, and maybe, you know, maybe you can comment on that, like more around the psychology of dealing with people and how to, you know, like how to bring them down from those heightened emotional states and just kind of yeah. calm them down a bit and trying to help, you know, be compassionate and help them work through it, you know, because it would easily, you would easily become a trigger as opposed to, you know, a help, like being helpful in that situation. Yeah, it, and definitely in some situations, and I have kind of always worked in really critical care environments. So, you know, that oncology story was in my grad year. Mm. But then I moved into the ICU the year later. So then I've just been in ICU ever since where, you know, you kind of typically look after the sickest kids. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like it is, I can't even remember what, how we got into that. Bit, yeah I, I mean it's just being like, that being that trigger heightened. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, so people they do i don't know like some, in some ways some families are really angry and you it yeah it's bizarre that they tend to see that as an us and a them you're doing this to us like this is happening because yeah. we're here and you're doing this to us not all families are like that obviously but that makes me think know. like do you see there's, there's a couple of things that fascinate me about your like being in that environment and being in that role is around, you, you know, like you see people at their best and their worst, you know, like you see people and, and often they can't help it. So it's almost like you could say that that environment is, um, you know, it's like a little microcosm of, of what society is like, because, you know, like yeah. people are, some people are great at dealing with emotion and some people aren't, you know, does it make you think of any particular stories or any particular environments or? Um, yeah, it's like, I often say this to, you know, when the grad nurses start or any new nurses start into the, into the unit. And I worked in education for a, a long time and then moved into management only kind of in the last two years. And I just, 
not to sound like a, a cli- like a cliche, and sometimes when you're working a nurse at the bedside, you don't feel like it's a privilege, but it really is a window into, like you don't often get to sit, peer into people's private lives, like, and it really is a fascinating, um, oh, I don't know, like a, a, a privilege to be able to, like privilege is a, 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 not a best word to use, but well, it's it's a, you know. it's a very sacred. It's a very personal space. Like that's there is no other yeah. way about it. Like it's a very, you know, like you you don't want a lot of people in your life in that space. In, you know, because it is you at your most it's vulnerable. So intimate. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's it's the mo- it's and a very intimate yeah. space. Yeah. And we like as an example, and this like never ceases to blow me away. Like, of course, is the 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 challenging family, which is not very, I'd like to say in, in PICU, in the PICU context, mm. um, families tend to err more on the side of gratitude and gra- like that, you know, that being really grateful for what we do and see, you know, see the service that they get. Mm. But just recent, well, not recently, we had a little baby pass away and after being diagnosed with a, a rare condition that he was unsurvivable, and his parents were just, they ended up they were with us for about six weeks. And at the funeral, they raised, so instead of getting flowers and all that kind of stuff, they asked for donations and they gave us the donations, like they wow. gave it to the unit. The, the, the mother of this child wrote every single, like, well, almost every nurse that had cared for her baby and her family mm. and a card my i tell you i shit you not like a full card of writing just you know again expressing gratitude mentioning a small moment they might have done and i just thought how can you (laughs) in that moment of your second baby passing away at six weeks old you know like pretty i think he was two months old be thinking of us like what because i know i wouldn't be able to do that i there is no way i would be in a hole in my room fucking screaming why me like why is this happening to me and my family what did i do to deserve this so that's what blows me away is that people and humans can still find in those moments ways to be grateful and yeah yeah, like I don't know, I don't know how they do it. I, oh, I know amazing. I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Oh, totally. And you kind of go, those people are on a completely different wavelength. Like they have completely surrendered to this, and they, you know, and and only at that point, it's. I suppose it comes from they've stopped resisting, you know, like they've stopped trying to block the pain, and so then they open themselves up to uh, to seeing other people's efforts and pain that have been involved in that situation you know like it's a full-on it's like even as you were saying like what like putting myself in your shoes it's a full-on part of the community to be in like does that does it wear on you you know like do you take it do you, do you find it hard to switch <laughs> now like i think about the times that i've had to try and switch off work because i've had a a boss that's been, you know, like breathing down my neck and I'm like, get fucked, you silly old prick. But, you know, like, and I have to try and like switch off and like that takes me a couple of days and, but it's a different level when you're dealing with other people and their loss on that level, you know, and you're dealing with that every day. Do you find that it wears on you? There's certain, um, not 
not um, like cumulatively, I don't think. Like I think there's a lot of studies to show now that moral distress in healthcare workers kind of increases as tenure, like years in practice goes up, but decreases as age goes up, which right. maybe might be a, like people are just leaving the profession, you know, like yeah, it's a, yeah, a junior profession these days. Um, but I, I think I'm in the moment I can be really upset and it really touches me, but I think I'm very good at compartmentalizing that part of that's your trauma. It's not my trauma, Mm. but there are certain cases that definitely I go, fuck, like that's Vaughn's age. That could easily be my family like that. You know, she's got black hair like my daughter, you know, she's got this, she's the same size as her in that bed or, you know, that's not like definitely put my kids in the bed and it just makes it, do you know what it does? It actually makes me go, who fucking cares if they don't eat their dinner tonight? Because that is such a bullshit problem in the context of life and in the world. It makes me really grateful for my boring life. And like, I think there was a few years ago, Steve, I was playing golf. I had both kids. Vaughn woke up, she had started to walk and she just stopped walking. She woke up that morning and was like, not walking for some reason. No longer, not doing it. Not doing it. And I'm like, what? great. She's got a fucking tumour on her spinal cord oh and God. she, that's what it is. And so I called and I never do this. So this is like, that's unusual for me. I don't often like jump to those yeah. conclusions. Yeah. And I called... Steve's mom, I said, can you please come and sit with Nash? Took Vaughn to Sandringham. And of course, she fucking was walking there. So she rolled they were in looking there. at me. Like <laughs> Ran in the door. <laughs> yeah. And she wouldn't do it, of course. And I'm like, I swear to God, she was doing this at home. <laughs> and make a liar. They love to make a liar out of it. It makes that, like, I think maybe that's, you just occasionally, that's what it does to you. It goes, okay, yeah. there's nothing, this, this is going to be a really depressing concept, but makes me think there's nothing protecting me and my family from that outcome. You know, all of these families woke up in the morning and had breakfast and did that normal shit. And then now it's 5 PM and they're fucking sitting in the intensive care unit. Like, and their whole life has changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's, a serious perspective giver. (laughs) A hundred. That's what makes me go. Okay. Just, you know, and I say that I still fall into that. I still scream at my kids every day, and yeah. you know, like totally, yeah, all stuff, totally. Yeah. Like, but on those days, I, it does make me go, "Oh my god, boring is so good. Yeah. Boring is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> totally. It it makes me when I hear that sort of stuff. I'm like, it makes me sort of think, like, how can how can more people get access or the ability to have that perspective you know like without obviously you can't all be you know a nurse in that environment but you know like it's so valuable I was uh, again just uh, the other day having a chat to um Kofo Sasha Kaufman um and we we recorded one of these and he was saying um or I asked him you know like just those those moments in life which are the most dramatic and the most painful and the most you know like they they you know the most hurtful they are the moments that we grow you know and they're the moments that we yeah. gain the perspective um 
And so I just think that's what sort of fascinated me about what you do is, you know, like you get, and I know that it just becomes your day to day. Like I know that anyone working in extreme environments, they build up an absolute filter and they just do their job. But it also still gives them an opportunity to have a perspective that not ever, not a lot of people just doing a nine to five as an accountant gets, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think yeah. that's kind of what you're saying before. It is like that privilege of being invited into people's intimate spaces and seeing them deal with these like seriously heartbreaking scenarios. Like yeah. that's, that's, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of learning to be had there about yourself and about other people and it's pretty yeah and it is it's yeah and like you said and I, I don't like nurses are great everyone's great everyone's a great person and mm. it is it can be challenging but it does give you that and I think that's quite that's a gift to be able to have that mm. um and the other thing is that you get purpose and impact on like I think yeah. a lot of companies you know there's a lot of organizational development um, departments in lots of companies trying to design <laughs> ways to make yeah meaning into different jobs and and we totally. just get that on a silver platter you know yeah. like come yeah. on every day you just take a look and also instant gratification yeah for yeah. a bedside a nurse at the bedside is invaluable you you know you do a thing and you see the outcome of the thing and then you can walk out you know like yeah. sometimes yeah. if it's a something bad happens or yeah you see something awful you can you might take that home with you but generally you walk out of the door and your job's done and it's you know yeah, yeah. you've made a, someone's day a little bit better yeah What's so there's the, great um, yeah it is great and what's the um like I see you post a bit around on LinkedIn around that kind of the education stuff and you know, like it's all, it's interesting stuff. And again, so far from what I know and so far from the industries that I've been involved with, but what's your, are you constantly kind of learning in, in what you do? And, you know, like, do you do, is there, is there um, like formal training that you get to get, get to go through and, or is it just on you? Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I was in clinical education. So yeah. kind of that really technical aspect of nursing. So training people in, you know, looking after a patient who's ventilated or, um, you know, on piece, certain pieces of equipment usually that's yeah. in the ICU. Um, and then started a master's in clinical education. There was a leadership component and I just fell in love with the leadership stuff and was like, oh, you know, I just, yeah, this is kind of where I want to go. So then did my master's in leadership and management management but that was on me not in like no one yeah there's no kind of formal training but more and more now definitely at monash there are um there's leadership training for managers that you know right now in covid times it's yeah not as possible but they definitely have programs and and they're free and you know you, you get given professional development leave to attend and you know to try and grow that aspect because this is like same with medicine, you know, doctors and nurses are often, um, hospitals are often run by doctors and nurses who are great clinicians, yeah. but not often, you know, have the skills yeah. that a manager needs, you know, like totally. they're, but that they're happened. just being there I the mean, longest. Yeah. Well, exactly. But that, but that, I mean, 
that is a summary of all industry. <laughs> like, oh, really? All, yeah. Well, like, and the reason I say that is because I was watching a Simon Sinek um, present, like, talk the other day. And yeah. he was like, this is how it works. The people, and I'm not going to do a good job at this because, you know, how good he is at <laughs> delivering. But basically, the people that are your managers are the people that were good at your job before you. And they got promoted because they were the best at their job. So they became managers. And that's why they micromanage you because they're better than you at what you do. But yeah, that doesn't mean yeah. that they're good managers, you know. And at so, what they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they exactly. should be doing, yeah. Exactly. So it's like, you know, that whole leadership and management, you know, it's got such, it's got so much work to do in, in the broader context. And I think there are some, yeah. obviously there are some, there are some great, businesses out there that hire on the merit of being a leader if if that's the position they're hiring for and like i i I get excited i've never actually even worked in a business like that but i get so excited by the thought of you know those progressive businesses like atlassian atlassian oh my god don't even i'm like so jealous of private enterprise like that (laughs) that have the budget and the well, they're just transformation. They're progressive. Yeah. I think there's so much to learn. Like you said, healthcare is so like patriarchal and, you know, yeah. historical in its origins and it just continues that way. And I can't, I'm really pushing. And I mean, I think the tide is slowly turning because, yeah. you know, I'm 37, yeah. like that will be my job soon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. not soon, maybe in 10 years. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So that's an interesting, like, I, again, there's so many layers to, that you could dive into around this stuff, but the, the, the health system is so male dominated, you know, like how does, do you see that on a day-to-day basis? Like, and you, only, you may not be able to say everything that you see on a day-to-day basis, but, you know, like how, how do you feel that? Like how does that, how does that come off on the, on the departments and the nurses that you work with? Yeah, I, I think let, uh, I feel like it's slowly changing. Mm. I feel like hospitals are like led by doctors or they, you know, but then they're run by nurses. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, it's, totally. um, like I said, just the day to day, all the, like just the, not the runnings of the shift to make sure that we pass out electrical tests, like mm. all of those things fall on, the nurse manager's shoulders. I suppose I should clarify that. That what I was thinking of when I was saying that oh, okay. was what I was well, what I was thinking of because that as you as you responded there, it sounded like I was like, oh yeah, it's all the blokes run the show. But that I'm, that's not. It's actually the opposite. Of, I was meaning that it's it becomes such a it can become such a boys' club at the top, and they're the ones who are pulling all the strings. And and it reminded me of like articles that I'd read about you know lawsuits and stuff against these you know, the tops, there's the, like in the surgeon world, like it's all the, it's all the blokes looking after the blokes and, you know, when the actual work yeah, being yeah. done by all the nurses on the ground, you know, and these guys waltz in and waltz out and they, you know, of course they are amazing at what they do, but they certainly don't do it alone. Yeah. Um, is that something that you are, that you witness, you know, or have witnessed throughout your career? Yeah, I've definitely seen more that around a behaviour perspective. Um, there's, you know, there are definitely like what you described elements of, and you know, you use the the surgical um, stream as the example because that is unfortunately often where the 
that the issues are. I see you tend to be a little bit more collaborative, which is awesome and is why I stayed. Um, I think in nursing specifically, because it is so female dominated, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like within, you know, the profession, mm -hmm. there is a um, inequality because, you know, it's like it's mainly it's, female. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I think in terms of like, like with surgeons and we'll use that as the example, what tends to happen is they eat their own young. So not necessarily nursing per se, mm. but it's within, it's within their own. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, like it's, yeah. So it's hard to um, climb the ranks. But yeah, that, it's hard to climb the ranks within that because you've got the, the senior people that are, that are going to be there for a while and they, you know, they don't give those positions up. And then in, I mean, at, um, you know, where I used to work, they actually brought in a cultural improvement initiative to try and combat that behaviour. Yeah. Um, I know Royal Melbourne Hospital have a similar thing where they, you know, have a, a system and a program where people, it's a safety culture. They can speak up if, mm. you know, they're being, you know, they're being victimised or treated or spoken to in a way that's disrespectful. Um, yeah. So there's, they're slowly trying to be a shift, but the problem is, like you said before, surgeons bring in money. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, they're like, without being a money making, you know, the government puts targets on, and I don't know the, you know, the, the minute details or even really the grand details, but yeah, the department of health puts, tar you know, a target on a hospital to make a certain amount of money, which is elective surgery. Mm. And that's often a cardiac surgery, you know, cardiac surgery. And so, yeah. or, or big orthopedic surgery, big back brain surgery, neurosurgery and stuff like that. Yeah. And so they, the hospital need those people need those, those really, like you said, skilled people to do that amazing thing that they do. Mm to meet their targets. And so it becomes that relationship, but then how do you manage those people so that yeah. they don't drive a culture that is awful by treating people and walking totally. over people? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's all bit like, I'm sure all businesses kind of work. I that's like, what I was just thinking. I'm like, it, yeah, it's literally, it's just a different version of, you know, the, the environments that any business creates, you know, and they've all got the same triggers and they've all got the same levers you know, and there's, and then when there's people within positions of power and, you know, unfortunately the reality is they're going to use those positions to benefit themselves. <laughs> so it's mm, just the way it yeah. is. Um, and it takes the framework around them. that give them that power. Yeah, exactly. It takes the framework around them to either import, like empower them or to, you know, strip them of that power and change the way that it is. Um, mm. You said you've you wrote something. I had a look at your LinkedIn the other day. You wrote something which I liked, which is like happy staff equal happy patients, and and that's obviously very much in your current role. Um, you know, that's obviously a a little insight into your thinking. But is that you know yeah. how do, how do you um, what do you sort of do day to day, or do you have any programs, or what, you know, like how do you how does that look on a day-to-day -day for you to try and create that environment? Yeah, um, I think it, 
what you what we just kind of initially talked about in I kind of went into this role with the like just you know I am who I am like I, I there is no like line where I walk in the door and I'm like okay well now I'm the manager and this is how you're going to talk to me and I'm yeah. pretty like not to sound like you've already talked about Simon Sinek and now I'm going to go Brene Brown <laughs> like match you but yeah. you know being vulnerable being really authentic and um allowing what I really try and push for at work is that everybody who works there walks in there can be themselves like you don't have to pretend to be anything else you don't have to pretend to know more than you do Mm -hmm. you don't have to pretend at all like you just come here and be you just the way I feel super comfortable to come here and be me like because it feels awful to try and pretend like and to not feel comfortable in your own skin in any place so trying to create that environment by being that I think it just kind of happens naturally in ways and then making sure people feel like they belong and feel connected I think that's all any human really wants when I look at you know where I used to work I kind of looked at you know the people who loved coming to work the people who had a really good time there who were laughing and smiling versus the people who didn't want to eat in the tea room and you know like chose to you know sit in the corner and sit on their phone rather than engage in the conversation and I thought what's the difference between you two Mm. like what and I it's professional relationships like when you have that um that connection and that bond like that's what you what brings you back to work at the end of the day works work like I said we can talk about you know I do really enjoy what I do and I'm sure I hope most people do but um, that's what brings you back. It's the humans that you work with and the connections that you have with those people. So I, yeah, wanted to want to create an environment where that is really important and that where we foster that. But that's the other thing. I want people to enjoy coming to work. Like imagine getting up every day. I did that for a little while. It was a very short term role. I was only in it for five months and I don't know whether I complained about it to you when we were out or (laughs) I feel like I complained about it to every single, because I couldn't stop talking about how much I didn't like, you know, it just infected every part, every cell. Like Mm -hmm. when you're not happy in your job, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to any human, I think. Um, Well, it's because it's such a big part of your, of your life, you know, like I think we underestimate, I think we underestimate it actually. You know, I've got, I've, I've had periods, you know, like I never start out that way, but I've, I've certainly had periods where the job that I was doing, it, it, it turned at a, at a certain point and I could see it happening. And I was like, oh, this is the point where we stop seeing, we stop running in the same race and, you know, and I, and I start to pull off because I see things differently. I have a different value set. I have a different mission objective you know and then all this and then that's just the end of it and then it's just a matter and then you're trying to pull each other across to your way or whatever and it just doesn't work so it ends up becoming really toxic but um yeah i think you're right i think that vulnerability and allowing people to be themselves you know that's the that's the best thing that businesses can do because you know then they're not hiding anything like imposter syndrome is such a thing that we can all feel you know like you've spent 
a lot of this <laughs> this chat talking about going i don't know why i'm doing this jo-, you know like what am i why i've got this role and what you yeah, know whether yeah. i'm the right person <laughs> but you know and that's just a form of it but you know like to try and to give people an environment where you just eliminate any additional imposter syndrome yeah um, totally and, and where people want to come to every day like yeah. it's I honestly don't feel like, and I can, like, last year, it, it was one of the t- toughest, like, juggling that full-time role, learning, and then the two kids and just all of it. Yeah. And I still, I reckon on two days was the only days where I was like, man, I really don't fucking feel like going in today. Like, yeah, I always, wow. like, bounced in and loved being there. Yeah. Um, and so that's what you want for everyone. Like, that's the totally. goal. That's the goal. Like yep. jump up and come in, not because you're getting paid. Like that's going to mm. be a driver, of course, but yeah, because you love it. Totally. I love it. Thank you, Izzy. It's <laughs> been a good chat. Thanks for being vulnerable and joining me on this when you had no idea really what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, With no structure. I told you, I could still go for like another three hours. Yeah, I feel I like know. I need a drink though. No, I've got to wrap you up. I'm actually <laughs> wrapping you up. <laughs> No, Um, no, thank you. It's been fun. I uh, I look forward to when we can chat again over a a drink at a bar or or something. Not in lockdown. Uh, 